When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In this episode, we share habits of the rich. Get excited because this is Tiny Leaves. Big change. Big change. Welcome to another episode of Tiny Leaves. Big changes where I share simple strategies you can use to get more out of your life. My name is Greg Clunas, and in this episode, we are talking about a topic that I haven't quite um, discussed in a few hundred episodes. Uh, I originally sort of tackled this topic very briefly back in somewhere in the first 50 episodes. So if you want to go hunt for that, please, please be my guest uh, and, and give a listen to it. And it's a topic that went over really well, but for whatever reason, I just haven't really covered again. Uh, And that is the habits of the wealthy, the people that are bringing in all the cash while the rest of us are sort of looking around for scraps. Now, before we jump into this episode, there there's one thing I do want to make sure I address, right? Because being rich is not just about effort and it's not just about how smart you are or any of those things. And it's not about the habits necessarily. There are institutional things involved. There are uh, advantages that some people have that others do not. And I do not want to downplay those. So those are not the things I'm going to be discussing here. What I'm going to discuss here are the habits that people who are wealthy and successful, at least financially, um, often have and and often have in common. Uh, And those things can potentially probably not get us to that level of wealth and and, um, money necessarily, but can help us in the journey of improving our own situation. So that's the purpose of sharing this episode. And I do want to say that the ideas for this episode are coming from a 2017 article on the blog getrichslowly.org. It was originally written by J.D. Roth, who started the blog back in 2006. So I'm going to link to the full article in the description. And I highly recommend that when you have a minute, you check that out. So... What are the habits of the rich? What are the things that rich people are doing that many of us fail to do that is helping them in that journey? Well, one big thing uh, is that they don't wait for permission. And this is really important because if you've ever heard that term, like do the thing first and then ask for forgiveness later, like that holds very true when it comes to our careers. Uh, our careers and, and the uh, things that we're trying to do in our lives, if we sit around waiting for per, uh, permission, if we sit around waiting for other people to say, hey, you can do this, like you are now in a position to do this, then we will never get there. We'll never be in that position because that is taking all of the control and giving it to somebody else, giving it to a boss, giving it to a manager, giving it to a partner, whomever it might be. 
right? And, and so what we need to do is figure out what it is we want to do and start doing it immediately. Start showing people that you deserve to be doing this, that you are capable of doing this, that you can bring them value when you do this. And you do that without the actual permission. You do that without waiting for somebody to look at you and choose you for that thing. And this is something I talk about all the time on this show. I say all the time, if you want to be a podcaster, podcast, if you want to write a book, write, if you want to dance, dance, whatever it is you want to do, do it, do it right now. There is no point in sitting around and waiting for somebody to come along and say, hey, you're allowed to do this. And this is a hard thing to wrap our heads around. We often, at least here in the States, we grow up in an environment that is designed to get us to a place of sort of waiting for permission. Like we, it, it's meant to be a, a way to teach us how to be in society and how to not stand out and how to make sure that we're sort of coloring inside the lines. And so we are taught from a very young age to wait for permission on things. When you're, you're in high school, you have to ask permission to go to the bathroom, which is kind of a ridiculous thing if you really sit and think about it. And then you need a hall pass. And like, there's all of these things that have just sort of subtly taught us that, hey, before you can do this thing that you want to or need to do, you need to look to the authority figure and get permission from them. And while there are good reasons for those controls being set into our society, they also are the fastest way to stay exactly where you are and to get exactly what you've always gotten. So instead of waiting for permission, do what rich people do, do what people who eventually become massively successful do, and that is to start the thing now, do the thing now, and get permission later. Get permission as you go along. Apologize if you need to, and don't be afraid of that. So that's the first big thing. The second, they know the landscape around them. So if you are starting a business, if you are trying to build something from scratch, you're trying to become a particular type of person, you're trying to change your life, you need to understand yourself and you also need to understand the world around you and how you fit into that world. You need to understand so much about the things around you that you're able to seamlessly navigate those issues and navigate those landmines without necessarily having to stop and think about it. And that is a key difference. If we're looking even just from the point of view of starting a business, right? Somebody starts a business and it, they turn out to be massively successful as a result of it, massively wealthy, so on and so forth. The reason they got there was because they could see the landscape. They could see their own business. They could see the world around them. They could see where culture was going. When Steve Jobs, who is a controversial figure, but he was one of the founders of Apple, when he came back to Apple after his departure from the company, or rather being kicked out of the company, he came back to Apple and he revolutionized everything in the company. That then led to revolutionizing the mobile phone which then created the smartphone revolution, which then created pretty much the world that we live in today where people are, con like Instagram would not be possible without the original iPhone. Twitter would not be as big as it is. Facebook would not be as big as it is. TikTok would not be possible. This podcast would probably not be possible. Um, it actually says pod as an iPod in the name of the, the thing. 
How did he do that? Well, he understood what Apple's role was in the larger landscape. He could look at the culture around him and make an educated guess at what was going to happen and what would be valuable in a few years. And then he acted without permission on that educated guess. Now, it could have turned out very poorly. And in fact, a lot of their things did. A lot of products Apple tried that just didn't take off. Not to mention the iPad, something that was massively successful in the mid 2000s, was originally a Microsoft thing. Microsoft originally came out with a tablet that completely flopped. Why? The world wasn't ready for it. They looked at the landscape, they made an educated bet, and it didn't work. Steve Jobs looked at the landscape, made an educated bet, and because of the timing and a number of other factors, it worked. It was the same bet. They saw the same thing. The only way you get to this point is to understand the landscape that you are playing in and understand the role that you play in that landscape. If you can get there, then you can start to make those educated bets. And most of them will not work, but one of them will. And that's the ticket. That's the thing that needs to to get you to the next place. It's that one thing working. It's not about the thousand that don't. It's the one thing that actually works. The next major habit of the wealthy is that they ask for help with what they don't know. And this one is massive. I cannot stress this enough. It is not a good idea if you are trying to do something, if you care about something and you don't understand it, you you don't know something about it. It is not a good idea to sit there in ignorance. People who become successful, people who become wealthy, if we're looking at money as the measure of success, they are willing to do the work. They're willing to be humble and humble themselves and recognize that they cannot know everything. And so they are willing to confirm the things they know, learn more about the things they don't and ask for help when they need it. And this is true for every area of your life. It has nothing to do even with wealth at this point. This is true for your fitness. If you're trying to lose weight and you've been struggling for a long time, guess what? Ask for help. Find somebody who has done it. Read books, read articles, watch videos, learn how it works and become knowledgeable on this topic. Learn the landscape. And if you do that, guess what? You're going to start getting more of the results that you're looking for. If you're trying to make more money, learn how that works. Learn how to keep your money. Learn how money works in general. Learn how money is made. Like understand the landscape that you're operating in and always be willing to ask for help and look for those sources. You are already doing this. You listen to this podcast. I'm assuming you listen to many other podcasts. Maybe you listen to audiobooks as well. You're already in that mode of, okay, let me learn new things. Now, the next step that you might need to take, and this isn't going to be true for everybody, but the next step that you might need to take is simply in specifically targeting areas, Looking at, okay, where are the knowledge gaps? Where are the things that I don't know in these particular areas and trying to fill those gaps and then recognizing that there's entire world of things that you don't know that you don't know and trying to figure out what those are so that you can then fill those gaps. But at the end of the day, you have to be willing to ask for help when you don't know something and you have to be willing to recognize that you don't know everything. And then finally, the fourth big thing that 
are is a major habit of the wealthy is that they put a specific and growing value on their time. This is so, so massive. And it actually makes me sad whenever I hear somebody or see somebody disrespect the value of their time. Now, don't get me wrong. Money has value. Money has value that is really easy to understand. If you have a dollar, you know what you can buy with that dollar or whatever your currency is. It's really easy to look at money and assign a value to it. But the thing that we often forget is that our time has value as well. It may not have value to everybody, but it has value to us or it should. If you, if you do not currently place a value on your time, then you are making a massive mistake. And that is how you go through life using a term that my friend Dominic Cartuccio from the Man Amongst Men podcast often uses. That's how you go through life drifting because you have not set an actual value on your time. You have not decided my time is worth this much. Now, what's the real value here? The amount of times uh, living in New York City, and this is just a quick personal story here, living in New York City, that the trains would be massively delayed. To take the subway would mean spending probably an additional hour or two more than it's normally supposed to take to get to point A or point B or wherever I'm trying to go. And I would have arguments with people that I'm with about splitting the cost of a cab. Why? Well, because the subway in New York City costs about $2.75 per ride, $2.75 per ride. A cab for the same location can sometimes cost $30. So you look at the financial value and you see a clear distinction and you say, okay, well, it's cheaper to take the subway. But in truth and in fact, if the subway is taking three hours longer, two hours longer, one hour longer, and you've placed a value on that hour for your life, then you're leaving out a number. You're not doing the math correctly because it's 275 plus the value of that hour. And that might be more than the $30 you'd spend on a cab. Now, I again recognize that often we have a lot more time than we have money. And so the value of our money is higher because we don't have much of it. I recognize that. So I'm not saying that you need to splurge on a maid or getting help with a million things or traveling 50 trillion. Like, I'm not saying you need to like spend money you don't have. And you definitely should never be using credit cards for things like that. What I am saying is that you need to recognize that your time has value inherently. And unless you are willing to respect that value, you're always going to find yourself spending more time on things than you should and having far less money in addition to that. So again, I'm going to link to the full article. It's on getrichslowly.org. I'm going to link to it in the description for this episode. I highly recommend you listen to it because it's going to give you four additional habits of the wealthy, of the rich. So check that out. Be sure to click subscribe to the show if you haven't already. That is the best way to make sure you never miss a new episode. I've been Greg Clunas. Thank you so much for your time today. And remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day. Every day.